I'll try to keep them brief. I'm lying, I'm not going to do that. Praise the Lord. Give these guys a hand as they're walking out. Would you praise the Lord for these kids? Praise the Lord for those who are part of Building for Eternity, the leaders. This coming week on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, the prayer team, Brother uh, Greg Stewart, led by them, are going to meet right out here where the proposed new building will be going. Circle around and just pray. Building for Eternity is bathed in prayer. If God doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. So we trust the Lord and uh, believe that God is going to do it. Mark chapter 16. Uh, and let, let me go ahead and give you one sermon I was going to preach, but it's got five points, so I thought it would be too long, all right? Uh, they looked on, they knew he was dead, they looked down, they knew he was buried, they looked in, they knew he was gone, they looked up, they knew he was alive, they looked out, knew he was worthy. I won't charge you for that one, all right? <laughs> too many points. This one's only got three, Hallelujah. Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked... They saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were afraid. And he said unto them, Be not afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. Father, thank you today how we have been lifted up and encouraged and just blessed beyond measure. And oh Lord, I ask you now just to continue to let your spirit have control of this service. May the words of, 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 uh, that are spoken here, may they not come from me, but Lord, may they be your words. Would you, Lord, just come down and breathe on this place in a fresh way today. And we're going to thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It's great to see you today. We celebrate Easter today. There are a lot of folks don't think we ought to celebrate Easter. A lot of, a lot of Christians don't think we ought to celebrate Easter. Uh, they say, oh, every day ought to be Resurrection Day. I had a guy tell me that this week. Every day ought to be Resurrection Day. We shouldn't just have one day to celebrate Easter. I looked at him and I said, how long have you been married? He said, 35 years this year. I said, well, let me tell you what you do. On that anniversary, don't you buy your wife any candy. Don't you buy her any flowers. Don't you take her out to eat. Don't you buy her a dress. And along about dark, she's going to say, hey, it's our anniversary. Where's my gift? And you tell her. I don't want to diminish this one day. I love you 365 days a year. And see how that works out for you. In fact, let me just tell you, you see me at the church and I'll prophesy how it'll work out for you. Amen? I 
heard about that man that traveled with his wife and mother-in-law to the Holy Land and they got over there and she had a heart attack in Jerusalem and died. And they came to the guy and they said, look, we can bury her here in Jerusalem for $200. But if you take her all the way back to America, it's going to cost you $15,000. He said, get the plane, get the casket. We're taking her back to America. He said, sir, maybe you didn't hear what I said. We can bury her here for $200. But if you put her on a plane and take her back, it's going to be $15,000. He said, I heard exactly what you said. I hadn't been to church in a long time, but in vacation Bible school, I heard about a man that died over here and he came back to life and I don't want to take any chances. <laughs> we're, we're a traveling people, aren't we? We love to travel. I love to travel. I tell you, go is my middle name. I love to go. After being here 13 years in East Texas and living on the coast for 23 years, I find it amazing. The people in East Texas want to go down to the beach, and the people down at the beach want to come up to the hills of East Texas. We're just a strange group of people. So I want us to take a little trip this morning, real briefly, to the tomb of Jesus. To the tomb. Now, uh, consider what these people must have felt. Because the very Jesus that they loved and they followed, they looked up to, they listened to, they knew he was God in the flesh, he's been crucified. Can you imagine what they felt like laying their head down on the pillow on that Friday night? Thinking, all's in vain. All's in vain. The Bible says they couldn't, couldn't really anoint the body like they wanted to because the Sabbath was coming on. and So they just had to hurriedly take the body to the tomb. And now, as we get ready, they're going back to the tomb. Their spirits had to be low. There's a lapse in time from the crucifixion and the resurrection. Maybe you've never seen this. There's not a word written between the crucifixion and the resurrection. Not a word. It was Passover. It was the highest point of the, uh, of the Jews' life. It was commemorating when they came out of Egypt, out of bondage. And not a word has been said from the crucifixion to the resurrection. You know why that is? Because if Jesus is not here, life's not worth living. He was in the tomb three days. You won't read a thing about it. You won't read a thing about it. No span of time, no holiday, no life is worth anything without Jesus. I've wondered if really the, the reason the soldiers didn't have the stone roll there, or they didn't want the stone roll there, maybe not been so much to keep Jesus in there, but to keep people out. But whatever their desire was, it didn't work. Now let me give you just three things here. A question, an answer, and then a solution. All right? The question is this. They're walking. You know ladies ain't got good sense. That was a joke there. Okay? These women are headed to a tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. And the Bible tells us it was a mighty stone. They had seen the stone rolled over there. And on the way to the tomb, one of them says, how are we going to get that stone off that tomb? Well, my goodness, it would take four or five men to do that. So the question is, how are we going to get the stone off the tomb? That's a pertinent question there. 
it's a pertinent. You talk about a problem from a human standpoint. Didn't make any difference, any sense whatsoever. What were these women thinking that drove them to the tomb so absent of the ability to even do their task? Let's put ourselves in the shoes of these women. Take our journey to the tomb of Jesus. We can have everything in our hands. We can have everything in our hearts to honor him. We can have his sacrifice. But just like the ladies faced, there's an obstruction of getting to Jesus. It's the stone. Let me ask you something this morning. What's your stone? Is it pride? Is that what's kept you from getting to the tomb and moving that stone? Hmm. Most of us feel like we're doing just fine. We're doing just fine. For others, a stone represents that we've embraced other gods in our lives. Idols have come in, and we've embraced other things that have been far more important than the Lord Jesus Christ. It may be hobbies, it may be families, it may be schedules, it may be jobs, it may be money, but all of those things have become idols to us. John Calvin said the human heart is an idol factory and our idols keep us from him. What's your stone? What blocks you from getting to Jesus? I can give it to you in a simple word. You're not going to like it, but it's a word called sin. Now, the world, the, the world we live in today don't want to talk about that. Our, our problem is that we don't get to define sin. God has already defined sin. And whether or not you realize it or not, holy God supersedes the Supreme Court of the United States. Whether you want to believe that or not. He's above the Supreme Court. He's above the congressional gurus that we've got. The ladies ask the question, who's going to move the stone? And then verse 4 gives the answer, a powerful answer. Tradition tells us that Peter told this entire story to, to John Mark, who penned the Gospel of Mark. And I love the way these two characterize these happenings. Look at verse 4. To paraphrase it, when they got close enough to this very large stone to see it, they were amazed that it had already been rolled away. So they had access to Jesus. <laughs> Listen to me. If you don't get anything else, that's what Easter's all about. The, the suffering, the death, the burial, the resurrection, all of that is so we can get access to Jesus. The veil has been rent from the top to the bottom. For the first time, we can come before a holy God. We can have access to the throne room of God. He suffered in my place so that I wouldn't have to suffer. The stone was rolled away. The blockage was removed. The door was opened to give access. Those ladies didn't have to worry about moving the stone because it had already been taken care of. Isn't that just like God? to already take care of it. The Bible says in Matthew 28 that he sent an angel on ahead and that angel moved the stone. I, I, I don't know what the angel did. I, I know he had to do something. though. No, he just didn't go rule that stone. He had to sit there on top of that thing watch what the soldiers were going to do. He had to. He had to see what their reaction was. Now don't miss how this applies because the stone of our sin blocks us from a holy God. And all of our good works and our good name and even our good intentions, none of those things will move that stone. None of them. We can never reach God apart from the work of Jesus in our lives. Jesus said, now listen to me, the world didn't say it. Jesus said, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. No other way. He's not the best way to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. No one else comes except through Jesus. He's the answer. The stone is gone. Access is granted. And the way is open. I want to tell you, friend, without Jesus, you'll die in your sin and you'll spend eternity in a place that never was designed for humans. It was designed for Satan and his angels, a place called hell. As you pass that tomb today, that death has become life. A place of sorrow has become a place of joy. And a place of hurt has become a place of eternal bliss. So the question is, who's going to move the stone? The answer is God's already removed it. Now here's the permanent solution. I'm through. To envision this empty tomb is to be reminded that our Lord once and for all has overcome death and overcome hell. (laughs) The songwriter said it like this, Death could not keep its prey, Jesus my Savior. He tore the bars away, Jesus my Lord. Up from the grave he arose. The greatest fear of man is death. Few people want to die because we love to live. In fact, we love to live so much that we've decided we know best how to live. We spend hours upon hours trying to live a little bit longer, trying to look a little bit better. Students, let me tell you guys, I'm going to tell you this. You're young. When you sin, there is forgiveness of that sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I tell you, we're living in a day, young people, when you can make one wrong mistake and it ruin your life forever. I was telling this morning at the early preaching I was doing, I shouldn't say this, but, you know, I've been forgiven. Amen? I know there's a couple of perfect people in here, but you just have to forgive me. What we did growing up in high school was go out to the bootleggers and buy beer or Boone's Farm, have a party. I'll never forget the first time I walked up on the porch at Snow Hill right outside of Corrigan. That lady looked at me and she said, it was a black lady, that's where we bought everything from. She looked at me and said, you're Mr. Lonnie's boy, aren't you? I turned and run as fast as I could. Huh? Now let me tell you, young people, times have changed. They'll tell you, these old people will tell you they had it as hard as y'all. Uh-uh. No, you take one pill and your brain fried for eternity. Just one. Just one. You can just make one wrong move in your life and your entire life is ruined. You be careful. Back years ago, Malvina Reynolds and Harry Balafonte and later Alan Green put together a song. Here are the words. Where are you going, my little one, my little one? Where are you going, my baby, my own? Turn around in your two, turn around in your four, turn around and you're a young girl going out of my door. Turn around and you're a young wife with babes of your own. Mm. We do everything we can to protect this life. Let me tell you, this life is not the most important life. The life to come is the most important life. It's called eternal life. Permanent rest is only found in Jesus Christ. We've asked the question. We've heard the answer. 
We've embraced the solution. The Bible tells us we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, a pastor's taking on the chin because people are always telling me, you missed a good time to close the service right then. <laughs> they want to get out a little earlier. Would you listen to a pastor's perspective of that? There are people that I know of that if you walk out of this building today, you're going to spend eternity in hell. And I want to linger just a little bit longer so that the Holy Spirit of God might have just a little bit more time to touch your heart and to speak to you and to say, listen, you're a sinner. And for you to realize you cannot save yourself and to realize that it's already been bought and paid for. <laughs> Lanny Wolf wrote those words only one life so soon it will pass only what's done for Christ will last only one chance to do his will give to Jesus all your days it's the only life that pays when you recall you have only one life I heard about a man that fell in a deep hole and uh, he, not, he couldn't get out of it he's going to die in that hole Fell in that deep hole, could not get out. He's going to die. Different people walk by. The moralist, the religion, legalist. He walked by and said, you must not have been living right or you'd have never fallen in that hole. I'd never fall in a hole like that. The psychologist walked by and said, let me ask you something. How does being in a hole make you feel? The pessimist walked by and he said, you ain't never getting out of that hole. The smiling TV preacher walked by and he said, brother, you're not really in a hole. You're on top of an inverted mountain. The philosopher came by. He said, you're really not in a hole. You just think you're in a hole. The Baptist preacher walked by. Let me tell you three things about that hole. It's a horrible hole. It's a hazardous hole, and it's a helpless hole. But then Jesus walked by. He said, you know what? There's no way you're going to be able to get out of that hole, but i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to come down there in that hole with you. And then when I get out of that hole, you grab a hold of me. And you can get out of that hole when I come out of that hole. Whew. That's what Easter's all about. He looked down and said, you can't get out of the mess you're in. You can't forgive your own sin. But he said, I'm going to come down there with you. <laughs> and I'm going to die on Calvary. But when I come up out of that tomb, you hold on to me. And you're going to have eternal life. That's what Jesus said. <laughs> Grab a hold of him. Repent of your sin. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. What are you going to do with what Jesus has already done for you? Father, we thank you this morning how we've been blessed. Lord, I pray. Folks would grab a hold of you this morning like they've never grabbed before. Lord, these are times when we don't understand what's going on around us. Lord, everybody's calling what's good bad and what's bad good. 
Lord, it seems like common sense has gone out the window and there's no more around. And Lord, it seems like the respect for you and your word is just almost nothing. But oh God, would you raise up a flock who will grab a hold of you and not let go. No matter what those around us do, no matter what those around us say, no matter the mocking, no matter the laughing, no matter any of that, makes, it doesn't make any difference. As long as we've got a hold of Jesus. Lord, we want to ride out of here with you because we understand we can't get out of here any other way except through you. Would you speak today, Lord? There are those in this place that need a church home. God, I pray today they'll come and say, I want to put my heart and my life here in this place. There are those in this place today, more than anything else, they need to admit they're a sinner and they come to Jesus to be forgiven. Lord, I pray you would send them, the Holy Spirit would convict them and they would not say no to you. There are others in this place. We've been saved a long time, but the cares of this world have so drawn us down that we've almost lost our joy. God, would you restore unto us the joy of our salvation? Would you remind us that you're not in that tomb, but you're alive and you're well and you're on the throne? Have your way in this invitation in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? Our pastors are here at the front. Would you come and meet one of us right now? Come on.